what's up? So powerful, man. Well, we are excited to be with you here at Luminous Church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is where we are going to find ourselves this morning. And so as you're turning there, man, we've had just an incredible amount of guest speakers over the last couple of weeks. We had Corey Bendix, which was just awesome. Uh, so powerful, that message on just compassion. What does compassion look like? And he talked about the uh, portal of compassion. Now, I got to tell you a little God story. Um, I believe it's a God story about that particular sermon. So uh, a few days before he came, a few days before he actually delivered that sermon, I met with a, a local lady who leads up the uh, uh, Southwest Alliance of Adoption and Foster Care in our city, who has partnered with uh, churches in our local context here in this city and it's really incredible uh, what they do about providing foster care homes and taking care of foster kids and I was like man that is so awesome like we want to meet the need God cares for the orphan but I said you know our church not that big I don't know if anybody wants to foster any children anybody want to foster any children all right we got two all right so we're gonna get with you we're going to get with you. So I was like, well, I don't know if that's going to really, I don't know how that's going to translate. So she said, you know what? There's, a, so there's another unique opportunity, and this is something that we're praying about. I want to invite the church to pray for us uh, and pray together because this is a church-wide effort. Um, so, so we do Luminous Loves on Friday night where we serve care boxes and food and break bread with people. It's been awesome. Uh, but we have another opportunity for Luminous Loves perhaps where um, where basically when somebody gets placed in foster care, they, they get a list of all the items that they would need in order to accept that specific child. So there's actually a church in our city who makes beds for foster care placement. So when there's a foster care, when there's a foster kid who is placed, they can go get a bed from that church and deliver it. So they, they compile this whole list, this whole list, and they send it out. To, to local churches who partnered with them. And what they call it is, guess this, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We have the portal of compassion, and they call this the care portal. The care portal. So it was just it, a couple of days later when Corey was sharing the sermon, I was just in tears because I just knew, like, the Lord was partnering with us to meet another need in our city through care portal. And so this is something we're praying for and believing for and and we'll have a geographical location around our church of those kids who need help. And it's not just foster care kids. It could be maybe a, maybe a, a family who's need and, and they need some type of supply in order to keep their children. And so, so we'll be able to meet some of those needs. So I want to just take a moment and pray for this. If you would join me, because I believe this is what our church is called to do, to be the hands and feet in this city, to love the city well, to love the people in our city. That Luminous would love our city so that they would know the gospel. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for Care Portal. And, Lord Jesus, there's need everywhere. Everywhere there's need. Uh, Lord, we can look anywhere and we see need. We see, we see shortcomings. But, Lord Jesus, I just pray if this is a ministry that you want us to just partner with, would you reveal that to us? Would you make it clear? And, God, help us. Lord, we may be few in numbers, as we talked about two weeks ago. But the Lord said he's going to provide everything we need in our hands to meet the, the, the need 
around us for that which he has called us to. So we believe that wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Well, I do, I do believe that God is moving in our city. He's moving through our people. Uh, if you know anything about Luminous Church, we don't just, we don't just sit on the bench, do we? We don't just, we, just don't, we aren't seat warmers. I mean, you know that's true. And uh, you know that's true in a portable church when you're setting up lights and sound and all that stuff. And you've given financially. You've given up your time. You've opened your homes. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have life groups. You, you've, you've met people on Bible studies. You've gotten the emergency phone calls in the middle of the night to go meet need and go visit somebody in the hospital. You have been the church. You are the church, Luminous. And I'm so proud to be a part of this church with you because I believe that we're making a difference. And I believe that God is being glorified in our lives as we go all in for him. How many want to say amen? That's what we're talking about over the month of September. What does it mean to go all in? Everybody say ballin'. That's right. Be all in. This is what God's called us to do. Be all in in every way, in every season. To be all in, this is what God is looking for, for people who are all in, all committed, willing to sell everything and follow him. This is our cry. This is our heart. We're going to be a church that's all in. We're going to be a church that's all in in every situation. And so I'm excited because next week we got two services. Everybody say, everybody say two services. 9.15, 10.30, it's to make room for people, to give people opportunities and options. And really, we're just saying we're all in. We're going to services. We're all in. We're in for the city. We're in for what God's doing. And it's going to be a tremendous. Kaylin's testimony was an all-in story, wasn't it? As she shares her testimony, a friend invites her to the campus ministry. A friend introduces her to relationships with Jesus she steps into a purple book foundation material that we all have it's our one of our first steps in our discipleship process she goes through the purple book and in the process grabs somebody else to take them through the purple book because she said I'm all in and being all in is also invitational and inviting others and seeing others who may be separated from Jesus, I'm going to bring them in also. Kaylin's awesome. Our campus ministry is awesome. What God is doing in our college students is astounding. I'm grateful for you, college students. Thank you for being here. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, everybody say joy, that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is one of our theme verses, if you're in Luminous Church, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. We'd fix our attention, our gaze, that we would see him in every way. I will preach this verse every year. I could preach this church every day. I want to preach this to my children when they wake up and when they go to bed. Fix your eyes on Jesus because our present 
circumstances oftentimes try to define our identity. But we know, we know that when we fix our gaze, our attention, our affection towards him, when you're fixed on something, you can't look at anything else. How many know that's true? When you're fixed on something, it has your total focus, your total attention, your total devotion. Every awareness in your body is towards him. It is looking towards him. What I want to focus on today, as we're talking about be all in, I want to talk about how Jesus was all in first. Jesus was all in before anybody else was all in. He was the one who went first. And he made it possible for all of us who say yes, for it not to be vain or empty or a lie. But it would be a promise and that we could know him in a deep way. Joy. I want to talk about joy. The joy set before Jesus. Joy. That's a fascinating word, isn't it? I love the word joy. It's actually one of our values at this church. I remember oftentimes I'd get a little pushback on that value. Why joy? Because joy competes and combats happiness. Joy is not circumstantial. Joy is a moment of who you are, and it's also a moment of choice coming in agreement with the Spirit, that we can choose joy. We can choose joy, and this is good news. Joy is is different than gladness, it's different than an emotion, but it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And Jesus says right here, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. You know, we have a lot of pregnant people around our church lately. We have a lot of babies in our church. I'm so grateful for that. And I will never know what it's like to carry a baby. Thank God. And I will never know what that pain's like, what it's like to carry this infant, this baby inside of you in your womb. But my wife knows. And I'll never forget the moment when she's pregnant with Benson and she was swelled up. She was so swollen that, that it, was, it was like she's never gained so much weight in her life. She was on the same weight as I am today. And, and she was large, and, and it was, it's true, she'll say this, she'll say this, you know, I love my wife, she's not, she's not very sensitive, and, uh, and there was this moment when she wanted to give not natural childbirth without an epidural, she wanted to do that, she was believing God for that, and she went through a, a crazy 30-hour labor. And when she's in the hospital room, there's about 30 hospital staff within the room. There's nurses, there's, there's all sorts of people in the room, and they're all watching this. And the pain that she was inflicted with is a pain that I will never know. You know, it, is, it was so bad. But you know what? She was able to move through this place and move through this pain. Because for her, there was a joy that was set before her. There was a joy that one day, I'm going to hold my baby. And if I move through this, there's going to be this relationship that happens. 
It's going to be this connection that happens. It's going to be this moment that happens with this baby that I've been praying for and believing for and asking God for. And I'm going to get to see my baby face to face. I'm going to get to hold this baby for the joy set before Brandy. She endured such pain. And I commend you, ladies, for doing that. You know, one would suffer oftentimes to collect a prize, right? Uh, oftentimes we would do that. Maybe it's a baby, but, but have you ever play the game? I love this game with my children where they say, Dad, would you lay in a coffin with a bunch of spiders for a million dollars? I said, of course I would. And, and you, know the, you know the scenario, you do it. It's the pub talk, the coffee shop talk, it's the road trip talk. Would you, would you free solo climb 100 feet with no rope? Would you do that for a million dollars? Yes, yes, I would do that. You know, there's, there's a lot of pain here, a lot of moments, there's a lot of things that we're going to go through. And the truth is, is sometimes the prize is not worth the pain. And we find this in our life. Sometimes the prize is not worth the pain. And this is what I love about Jesus. It's Jesus was going to endure much pain and suffering. In fact, his way of death was chosen. It was to be hung by a cross. The pain of suffocation. The pain of lashes and beatings, the pain of suffering, the pain of mockery, the pain of betrayal, the pain that is not just physical, but it's emotional, it's mental, so much anguish, but for the joy set before him, he endured such pain. This is who Jesus is, enduring shame for a future outcome. This is what Jesus loves to do. He loves to, he moved in a place of enduring shame for a future outcome. Luke 22, 63 through 65 says this. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Jesus was blasphemed. He was spit on. His best friends ended up leaving him. He was stripped of all of his clothes, and his clothes were auctioned off for, for a, a simple game of, of dice, and they were casting lots for them. He, he was moved, and he was dragged naked onto a cross. And you can only imagine the amount of shame that came upon him and he's sitting there exposed, completely exposed in front of his mother, in front of his friends, in front of the whole world. And in Deuteronomy, it was a man who was hung on a tree. He was, it was so detestable, you had to remove the body that night. He went through all of this. All of this. You know, even in uh, modern day executions that we know of, even then, they put a bag over your head to spare you the shame of being executed. Jesus didn't have a bag over his head, but he was naked and he was looking at humanity. But for the joy set before him, he endured 
such pain. Oftentimes in this life, we are tempted to compromise and to tap out or give in in the middle of our suffering. In the middle of the lot that is given to us and the pain, we just want to give up. But in this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And it's all these people in the Old Testament went forth. And so we have Moses in verse 24 by faith. Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. How convenient would it have been to become Pharaoh's the son of Pharaoh's daughter? All the pleasures, the palace, the kingdom, the country, everything lays at your hand. You can do whatever you want. You can spend whatever you want. It is comfortable. But choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There is a temptation in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 of sin coming and entangling us and wrapping its arms around us and taking hold of all of our pleasures and sensualities, everything that is so convenient. There is a way that is so tempting that it's just so easy to say, I'm going to go my way. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to chase the world. I'm going to live for these pleasures. But Moses, we see that he was a man of faith and he went forward and he kept going and he, he was worth it. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt for he was looking to the reward for the joy set before us. The joy is this moment of the reward that God has. The prize. This is what the Lord wants for us. Philippians 2.8 talks about Jesus and says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself, Jesus this is, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This joy was set before him. He humbled himself. He had to swallow his pride and his conveniences and his stature and move to a place of humility. And this is what God has done because he knew this was going to bring the father glory. And for the joy set before me, I will endure. The joy set before me. Jesus died a martyr death. Now, a lot of people will die in this life. A lot of people will die for something they really believe in. But you don't see anybody dying for a lie. And you see, this is the interesting thing about Jesus, is as he's going and he's moving in this place of crucifixion, it was this moment of proving that he is who he says he is, that I'm going to die for what God's called me to do. And all he had to do in order to escape that and move into this place of pleasure and comfort was deny who he was. But that was impossible. Who is the son of God? He will not lie, but he keeps his promises. So he went to the cross. His joy right here, he has two places that the joy, the prize is. Jesus' joy first was his throne. 
Jesus' joy was his throne. The joy set before him was the throne that one day I will overcome this and I will be seated, as Psalm 110 says, at the right hand of God. As we read about when, when Peter is preaching in Acts 2, 34 through 36, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. The joy, the joy that Jesus was looking for was the kingdom placement of his life at the right hand of God. The joy that he was looking for was not temporal things that fade away, but was for eternal being and eternal seating. Jesus was looking for the throne in which he would, he would rest and he would sit and which he would rule from. Why is this the joy for him? Because you see, the kingdom here on earth was handed over to the devil. It was handed over. Humanity gave it over, willingly gave it over. And Jesus said, I'm taking my kingdom back. The joy of Jesus was I get to take my kingdom back. I get to rule and I get to have dominion over darkness. How many of you hate evil in this room? How many of you just are just, you're tired of evil? You're tired of tragedy, accidents, you're tired of cancer, you're tired of, you're tired of poverty, you're tired of rape, you're tired of murder, you're tired of all these things that are around there, you're tired of the pedophilia, you're tired of all of it, you're tired of evil. For the joy set before Jesus was this moment, I'm tired of evil but I'm going to sit on the throne so evil will be at my footstool. So that once and for all, evil would be eliminated and that God's kingdom, which is perfect, which is good, which is his glory, would rule here on earth. Jesus endured such pain and suffering for the joy set before him was defeating the enemy. For the joy set before him was sitting on the true throne. For the joy set before him was truly becoming the king of kings and lord of lords. The second reason why Jesus endured and moved. What was this joy? This joy was this. Jesus was on mission for you. Everybody say me. Jesus was on mission for you. This was his joy, that he would be on mission to redeem a people who were separated from God. You see, when Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to earth, I'm going to humble myself, move from the heavenlies, come incarnate in man, and I'm going to preach the kingdom of God, and I'm going to move in a way, and I'm going to go after who? The lost sheep, the lost people of Israel. I'm going to go after the lost people in this world, the people who need a savior. You see, Jesus, when he was enduring pain, he saw you and me. He saw us for the joy set before him. He endured shame for the joy set before him. Hebrews 10 to 10, for it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things 
exist and bringing many sons, many sons, you and me in this room to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For the joy set before him, I see a perfect kingdom. I see a kingdom restored. I see justice begin to happen. I see evil defeated. I see victory in people's lives. I see new creations. I see people who were once lost, they're now found. People who were once distanced are now can draw close. People who were once separated from intimacy and fellowship with God can now be made known, can now know God. For the joy set before him, he endured. Brandy, when she was suffering in that moment, for the joy set before her, she saw Benson. And she was able to see him face to face. This is what God wants for us. This is why Jesus endured pain, so that you and me can see Jesus face to face, so that we can live with him. He says this about you, Luminous, that you're the apple of his eye. You're the cherished one. You're the center of his pupil. You're the one he's looking at. Deuteronomy 32.10, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him, he cared for him, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. David was crying out and he was praying. You may remember, if you want to know what intimacy with God looks like, what a prayer life with God looks like, how do I have relationship with God? What would that even look like? I would encourage you to flip to Psalms because in Psalms, David had a heart after God and he knew God and he started, he started praising God. He started lamenting. He asked questions. It was the most vulnerable and intimate somebody has been. And this is what our life should look like. But David prayed this prayer in Psalm 17, 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Jesus, for the joy set before him, saw you and he saw David and he answered a prayer. See, in Hebrews chapter 11, when we read about Moses, wasn't Moses before Jesus? Because Moses had faith that Jesus would come that the Messiah would endure for the joy set before him was a redemption of Moses, was a redemption of David, an answered prayer for David, an answered prayer for us today. It's what Jesus wants. So how do I get through this season, Pastor Ben? Because you've been talking a lot about Jesus and how he endured through pain, through suffering, through evil, through betrayal, through nakedness, through shame, he endured. How do I endure in my present situation? Isn't that why some of us came to church today? How do you endure through your present situation, your present pain, your present suffering? How do you do this? Isaiah 35.10 would say this. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. 
Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. If we want to get through this, we have to set joy as our prize as well. You have to have a joy focus, a joy mandate in your life. You have to know what's on the other side of your pain. And the other side of your pain is not hopelessness. It's not darkness. It's not nothingness. It doesn't mean you cease to exist. The other side of your pain is glory with God. The other side of your pain is kingdom in heaven. The other side of your pain is to know the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who made you, and the one who went all in for you. What I love about this is Jesus gave a picture for us that he went first. This is what I love. Jesus only asked us what he himself did. This is what he wants of your life. Nothing more and nothing less. Just do as he did. This is what God wants for us. And life is tough. We know this. It's full of difficulties, ups and downs, disappointments, hurt, pain, unexplainable diagnosis, ungodly evils, abuse, loss, so much pain for the joy set before Luminous Church, we will endure. And for the joy set before you, you will endure. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. That he promised it before the ages began. Church, I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. prophesied about Messiah, prophesied about Jesus. Isaiah 61.1, Spirit of the Lord God is upon him because the Lord has anointed him to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. If you need Jesus to show up for you today and you're broken and you're wounded and you're hurt and you're disappointed and you're in this moment of pain, maybe in shame in some regard, I would ask that you would just lift your hand so that I can pray for you. Pastor, that's me. I need prayer. I need to endure. Father, I just thank you. God, in this moment of suffering and pain that you would reach your church. Holy Spirit, come. Show up right now. Reveal your prize. Reveal your truth. Reveal who you are. God, we're so grateful for that. 
In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.